What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder from Silver and Black Pride here, bringing you our Friday podcast where we go over all of the important news stories surrounding your Las Vegas Raiders. We've been a little light on the questions lately, but I have had a few trickle in, so of course, I'll answer those for you guys. And if you have like to have your questions answered on a future show, either tweet them at me, adamholder95, or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. That's adamholder95, or sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. We're about 10 days away from the Raiders' rookies reporting to training camp, meaning the season is just around the corner and we've got plenty to talk about, so let's get to it. I'll start us off with by far the biggest news coming out of the desert and arguably around the entire league, as the Raiders continue to be trailblazers by hiring Sandra Douglas Morgan as their new president, the first black female team president in NFL history. Douglas Morgan is a Las Vegas native who previously served as a chairwoman and executive director of the Nevada Gaming Control Board. She has also been the director of external affairs for AT&T Service Incorporated and a litigation attorney for an international gaming and hospitality company. The Raiders held an introductory press conference where the team's new president had this to say during her opening statement. It is my honor to be here today as the newest member of the Raiders family. I was raised in Las Vegas and have truly witnessed this city ascend to one of the sports capitals of the world, visited by millions across the globe, and it's an honor of a lifetime to serve as the president of this organization. The Raiders organization has actually brought $2.29 billion in economic impact of visitors for events in Allegiant Stadium, and the estimated impact of the Super Bowl in 2024 is estimated to be in the billions as well. Thank you, Mark, for your faith in me to lead this organization in this very important moment. I am very grateful that my dearest friends and family, my parents, husband, children, and nephews could be here today. Your support means the world to me, and I do not take that for granted. Douglas Morgan would continue to go on to talk about how she's excited to help the Raiders win on and off the field, and even brought up the organization's legal challenges that have arisen recently, and made it a point to say that she's not here to sweep anything under the rug. Mark Davis also made a statement on the hiring of the organization's new president and said, I'm thrilled that Sandra has agreed to join the Raiders family. Her experience, integrity, and passion for this community will be invaluable to our organization. From the moment I met Sandra, I knew she was a force to be reckoned with. We are extremely lucky to have her at the helm. So, the Raiders have a new woman in charge, and Sandra Douglas Morgan joins the likes of Tom Flores, Art Shell, and Amy Trask as other trailblazing Raiders who have broken down racial and or gender barriers to get to their positions within the organization. Speaking of Amy Trask, the Pro Football Hall of Fame released 54 semifinalists for the class of 2023 seniors and coach slash contributor categories. A few Raiders made the cut, including cornerback Lester Hayes and running back Roger Craig, though Craig only spent one season with the Silver and Black and is more known for his days with the 49ers. Then there was Mike Shanahan, who probably doesn't want to be remembered for his Raiders days, and the first female CEO of any NFL team, Amy Trask. Now the respective selection committees will consider the candidates and vote to send 12 seniors and 12 coach-slash-contributors to move on to the finalist stage, which will be announced on July 27th. From there, the Seniors Committee will meet on August 16th to select three more seniors for final consideration as members of the class of 2023, and the Coach Slash Contributor Committee will do the same a week later on August 23rd, but will only choose one person for 2023 consideration. Best of luck to all the Raiders up for contention, especially Lester Hayes and Amy Trask. Speaking of the organization's alumni, our Bill Williamson was able to chat with Marcus Allen and get Allen's thoughts on the upcoming season. I'm interested to see how things work with the new coach, the Hall of Fame running back told Williamson at the American Century Celebrity Golf Tournament. 
I think he's good, and he has a good track record from New England, but nothing is easy or guaranteed in the NFL. Sometimes it takes time, so I'm really excited to see how things happen. I do think the talent level on this team is ready to ascend. Allen would also go on to say that he thinks the AFC is going to be a gauntlet this year and that the teams will beat the hell out of each other, but the Raiders are one of the teams that have improved the most and it will be fun to see what happens. I think we're all right there with you, Marcus, and September can't come soon enough. Keeping the momentum going with Bill being able to talk to some notable people at the golf tournament in Lake Tahoe, he spoke with former Los Angeles Rams offensive tackle Andrew Whitworth about the Raiders' new pass rush duo of Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. Jones has been a consistent top-level pass rusher for years, Whitworth said. You always have to prepare for him. He's just very consistent, and you always know he's going to be one of the best pass rushers in the league. It's a very good signing for the Raiders. The thing about it is, they already have Max Crosby on the other side, so they can really do some things together. Offenses really have to account for those guys. They're very similar. They're both speed guys who never stop. They can be really good together. Whitworth and Jones were division rivals for the last five years, so they had many one-on-one battles over the last half century, and it's good to hear one of the league's best left tackles speak so highly of Vegas' new pass rusher. Plus, it should get you pretty pumped for the season to hear that Whitworth thinks the Raiders' pass rush duo can be really good together. Heading into the season, one of the Raiders' biggest question marks and youngest position groups is the defensive backfield. Barring Deron Harmon and or Anthony Averett winning a training camp battle, Every single week one starter will be playing on their rookie contracts with Trayvon Mullen, Rocky Sin, Jonathan Abram, Trevon Merrig, and Nate Hobbs serving as the projected ones on the depth chart. However, new head coach Josh McDaniels doesn't seem to be too concerned with that as the following quote was recently brought to light. Players that are young usually have their best football in front of them. There's no doubt about that, McDaniels said recently. They develop and have an opportunity to grow. They're all eager. They're all competing to earn opportunities. And I think that's a really good thing. We have some different skill sets. We have some guys with, with maybe a little bit more speed or more size, so it gives us some flexibility. But I think that all of them are really eager to try and learn, and they've been, they're learning how to communicate and talk with each other, which is important. We did some third down stuff, which is always a difficult down for defensive backs to deal with. We had some packages where there were six or seven of them on the field at the same time. Overall communication, understanding how to play the techniques that we're trying to teach and coach, but love the group. Love the way they work and eager to watch them continue to develop and grow and then go into training camp and just let them battle it out and compete. However, it turns out they'll be the ones who determine that. It's a good thing McDaniel sounds confident as the secondary is one area of the team that I'm definitely worried about heading into September. So let's hope optimism prevails and a few of these young bucks step up. Speaking of the secondary, Pro Football Focus has been dropping rankings after rankings recently, and they slated Las Vegas' defensive backs as 29th in the league. PFF's biggest rationale is the team's top defensive back from last season, Casey Hayward, is now gone, and like I just mentioned, the rest of the crew is a rather young and unproven bunch. Granted, I do think the new additions of Yasin, Averett, and Harmon will help patrol the passing game, but it'll be interesting to see how the team does without Hayward back there. As I just mentioned, PFF has been going all-in on the rankings recently, and Ben Lindsay ranked the Raiders roster as the 21st best in the NFL. I'll go ahead and read you Lindsay's passage about the silver and black, which also includes the team's biggest strengths, weaknesses, and X-factor. Biggest strength. The Devontae Adams addition gives the Raiders passing attack the receiver that was really missing. Derek Carr ranked first in PFF passing grade on throws between the numbers in 2021 as compared to 22nd on throws outside the numbers, but now he has one of the truly elite route runners in the league who can win consistently on the outside at his disposal. 
Add in Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, and Las Vegas' passing game has the potential to be explosive in 2022. Biggest weakness, the counter-argument to the explosive passing game argument above is that the Raiders didn't do much to improve Carr's pass protection this offseason. The right side of Las Vegas' offensive line allowed more pressures than any other right guard and right tackle duo in the NFL since in 2021, 124 pressures, and there's a chance that the Raiders run things back with Alex Leatherwood and Brandon Parker in those spots last season. X-Factor for 2022, the Raiders' secondary stands out as one of the weaker positional groups of the roster, but there are also several younger players who could outperform expectations. Fourth-year cornerback Trayvon Mullen falls under that category. Mullen missed the majority of last season with the right foot injury, but he had a 73.9 PFF coverage grade in the first three games of the seasons after ranking 7th among quarterbacks with 11 pass breakups in 2020. There's at least some reason for optimism heading into the season. On a more uplifting note, Rich Eisen dropped his top five most slept on teams heading into the 2022 campaign, which went as follows. The Cincinnati Bengals were number one, which is a bit of a head-scratcher seeing as they played in the Super Bowl last season. Coming in second were the Philadelphia Eagles, a decent choice with them being a young team that emerged late last season to sneak into the playoffs. Your Las Vegas Raiders were third, and Eisen has also predicted them to win the AFC West. Number four, the New Orleans Saints who somehow beat the calf this offseason to bring in Marcus May and Tyron Matthew and should get their starting quarterback back in Jameis Winston, who tore an ACL at the midway point of last season. And rounding out the list were the Pittsburgh Steelers, who do have a good roster but have major concerns at quarterback. So, here's to hoping Eisen is right and PFF is wrong. One final minor note to go over before we move on to questions. Jeff Perlman, a famed sports author who has written nine books that have appeared on the New York Times bestsellers list, including Showtime, Magic Kareem Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers Dynasty of the 1980s, which HBO's hit series Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty, is based on, is about to release his latest work, The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson. I'm sure everyone listening knows who Bo Jackson is, and Perlman has compiled 720 original interviews to put this biography together and peel back the curtain on the former NFL Pro Bowler and MLB All-Star. The book is scheduled to be released on October 25th, and you can pre-order it now on Amazon. Alright, mailbag time! As your weekly reminder, if you'd like to have your questions answered on a future show, tweet them at me, adamholder95, or email them to sppquestions1 at gmail.com, and you guys can ask me any question you want. It doesn't have to be about the Raiders since we're in a bit of a dead period, so if you guys want to get to know me a little bit better, fire away. Anyways, our first question this week, I live in New Jersey and I bleed silver and black. I'm pumped, excited, and can't wait to watch the silver and black this season, but my biggest questions are, are we going to sign Ndamukong and Sue and Colin Kaepernick? I'll start with Kaepernick since we had the quote about him from Warren Sapp last week, and I want to preface this by saying this, yes, Sapp is a former Raider, yes, Sapp probably has, still has some connections in the organization, the thing we have to worry about, is, or the thing we have to remember with Sap, is he played quite a while ago. He retired a while ago, and I mean, as we just talked about with the new president and all that stuff, and a lot of turnover in the that we've talked about in the past uh, within the just the business people in the organization. I don't know how many people from Sap's days are still around, so I don't know how great his sources are. But what I do know is the Raiders haven't signed him yet. It's been a while since they've uh, held his workout. So I got to think there might be some truth or at least it wasn't impressive enough or Kaepernick's workout wasn't impressive enough for them to sign him. Again, unsigned right now. It's not like they have a whole lot of noteworthy backup quarterbacks. Nick Mullins is kind of the, the lead in the leader in the clubhouse. Maybe Jared Stidham too. So I get the feeling that Kaepernick's probably not going to sign with the Raiders. I know a lot of people, including myself, would be interested to see if he could do that Marcus Mariota role. But again, 
We're sitting here, I believe, close to two months, if not two months after the workout. Still hasn't even been any news or anything like that. Get the feeling he's not coming aboard. Ndamukong Sue, Sue's an interesting one. I think that the Raiders could sign Sue, similar to how they did with Gerald McCoy last year. If I remember correctly, uh, McCoy was signed about two weeks into training camp or something like that. It definitely wasn't. Uh, he definitely wasn't on the team before training camp and kind of came late. Granted, the biggest difference was Sue was coming off a major leg injury, or excuse me, uh, McCoy was coming off a major leg injury, whereas Sue isn't. So there was a little bit more of a medical concern. So I'm not 100% sure that the Raiders are all that interested in him. There's some conflicting reports. Again, Sue, another guy that's still available. Obviously, the Raiders haven't signed him. Ever since he went on NFL Live, there really hasn't been much news about that, um, about him joining the Raiders. So I would lean towards no, but I, again, I definitely leave the door open for Sue, especially more than I would for Kaepernick at this point and just my, my gut reaction. I think there is a spot for Sue on the roster. I think there's a starting spot for Sue on the roster if they do want to bring him in. I'm just not sure if they do it if they haven't done it by now. I think if we, if they do bring him in, maybe they look in training camp, maybe a couple guys show up out of shape that they were hoping would get into shape or weren't as good as they, they were hoping, didn't pan out. Maybe they end up bringing in Sue. But yeah, I, I think uh, we won't get any news on uh, either of those two until we get into training camp here. Next up, what game are you looking forward to most this season? I'm going to go with a little bit of a cop out here because I'm going to go with week one. You get the Raiders in at LA playing the Chargers, and it's for a few reasons. I think for the first, for first and foremost, we get our first look at the new look Raiders to see what you know guys like Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones, and all those guys that we were talking about um, previously can do. And if the Raiders had the best offseason or the second best offseason, the Chargers were right up there with them. You probably argue that the Chargers had a little bit of better offseason, and obviously they were a team that was on the rise last year. Impressive young quarterback in Justin Herbert. Got Khalil Mack now, JC Jackson, as well as a few other additions. So I'm really intrigued to see how those two teams kind of bat battle it out. Um, you know, I think it'll be a close game. It'll be interesting if one team ends up blowing out the other. I think that'll be definitely send some uh, hot takes down the wave. The, the week one hot take line will be uh, on fire going forward. So I'm really see I'm excited to see what they can do because I think it'll be a big test for the Raiders to, to start off the season. And again, you know. Obviously, there's a there's a bit of a rivalry there, especially with last year and how that unfolded with the whole tie situation and the Raiders calling timeout to knock the Chargers out of the playoffs. So I'm excited to see how that goes. And again, I think it'll be a really big measuring stick for for both teams this season to see how they how they'll do. That'll do it for this week's episode. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, remember to follow Silver and Black Pride. Follow me on Twitter, AdamHolder95, and rate, review, subscribe, and download wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time.